0: What do editors want? It's a question that many creative writers have asked themselves or more likely muttered dejectedly after a frustrating rejection. I'm Rachel Thompson, author and literary magazine editor and your podcast host. The Lit Mag Love podcast grew out of my course by the same name and I continue to seek out answers to this question of what editors want by going right to the source. I bring you interviews and insights about how to improve and publish your writing. Literary Mama believes that all mothers have a story worth sharing and honors the many faces of motherhood by publishing work that celebrates the journey as well as the job. They celebrate the physical, psychological, intellectual, and spiritual processes of becoming a mother through words and images that may be so stark, as they put it, it hurts. And they welcome perspectives that challenge them to examine motherhood through a variety of lenses and are not afraid of publishing work that crosses boundaries of race, gender, age, or income. My guest today is Felicity Landa, and Felicity Landa is the fiction editor for Literary Mama, and she's also the nonfiction editor for the Coachella Review, though our interview focuses on Literary Mama. So welcome to the Lit Mag Love podcast, Felicity Landa.
1: Thank you. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Um, I'm very happy to have you here. So I want to just launch right into asking you about Literary Mama. And I know that Literary Mama Mama publishes writing rooted in and inspired by the experience of motherhood. And that you welcome submissions by self-identified mothers, biological, non-biological, step, transgender, foster, grand, or adoptive. So has your own picture of what motherhood looks like changed through your editorial work with the journal? And if
1: so, how? Um, I think that's an interesting question. I've never thought of it because I think it's actually the other way around that my understanding of writing and reading and of other people has changed a lot because of my experience as a mother. So now when I read submissions and I work with writers, I write and I edit very differently because of my emotional and physical journey through pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. And I feel like I relate to people on a very different emotional level. And I mean, mothering a child comes in so many different forms and the emotions and the the pain and the fear, it's very real and very relatable from one person to the next. I think, you know, we can all relate to each other across the board on that. So it's really helped my experience of reading and relating to people. And I feel, you know, very connected to my writers in that way.
0: That's wonderful. And, and I wanted to ask you, and I'm actually realizing that this is maybe a bit of a negative question, but um, yet I think there's a truth to it. So do you feel like let's face it, a general societal hostility to motherhood, coupled with the idea of it being incongruent with a writing life makes publishing Literary Mama an act of resistance? And if you agree, in what ways?
1: Absolutely. I mean, before I saw, you know, saw that question, I really wasn't thinking like that. But, you know, thinking about it more, I think it's totally true. We push against these stereotypes as moms any kind of mom who's you know working moms stay-at-home moms you know we sort of have to fight against these stereotypes that have been placed on us and um when i became a mom my husband had just finished school and our plan we'd been talking about it for a while was for me to pursue my mfa and to for me to get back into doing my education and uh, it was a really hard decision because i felt like It would be selfish of me to pursue the things that i wanted but that belief and that fear that didn't come from me that came from years of people perpetuating that narrative that moms can't be individuals and also be good moms and um you know when my daughter is grown i don't want her to feel like she has to embrace that narrative and you know what better way to show her that she doesn't have to than to be that example for her myself And I definitely receive a lot of judgment for my choices. A lot of judgment. (laughs) Um, It's not, you know, it's not fun to have random strangers, you know, making comments to you in public when you're working and you're, you know, you've got your kids watching YouTube or, you know, because you just have to, you know, there's sometimes some moments and we're talking about negativity. There's just some moments where you just can't be the perfect mom because you're trying to also be you. But I also have a lot of support. And my readers and writers who read Literary Mama, you know, who send us their work, who work with us on pieces, who are published by us, it's a beautiful community of really strong people who are making it happen and pushing back on the standard mom role, you know, quote unquote, that's, you know, expected of us and saying, no, we can make it happen because the world needs to hear our stories.
0: Oh, absolutely. One thing I I noticed from editors both years ago when I started with Room and even recently in some of the interviews that I do for this podcast is that there tends to be just in the, you know, more general publications an aversion to stories about child loss. And it strikes me as, you know, imagining that the worst thing that you can have is a grieving mother and Well I get that it's really hard to write about grief in an artful way and it's something that I struggle with myself. There is probably a lot of there's a lot of raw writing on the subject in the slush pal too, and I get I get all that, but it just strikes me as a really specific way to talk about what kind of grief we're allowed to talk about and what women and mothers are allowed to talk about. And I'm wondering what kind of room do you make for stories, you know, in, embedded in that long question preamble, is what kind of room do you make for stories of loss and grief in literary mama?
1: Yeah, I, I would so agree with you. I've found a lot of resistance to, you know, stories about loss and stories about motherhood in general, I think. Um, and I think loss is so tied into motherhood, you know, no matter what kind of parent or mother you are, infant loss, miscarriage, infertility, the loss of your own parents, um, the loss of your own life while a mother. Um, That's just inherent in every story that mothers and those who want to be mothers have to tell. Um, We don't really shy away from those topics at Literary Mama. To be honest, it doesn't even cross my mind when I'm reading to be cautious about those kinds of stories because... Sorrow and loss is just a part of what it means to be a mother, no matter what that looks like for you. Uh, Some of our most beautiful pieces are about miscarriage. And I know in our nonfiction department, a lot of stories that women and others share are about the pain of infant loss and infertility. And I think that that tendency to shy away from those kinds of stories um, from editors is that worry about relatability there seems to be this cautious attitude about stories that have anything to do with motherhood, um, which I think is very strange because of the worry that readers will not have the ability to relate to those stories. And I just don't think that that's true. I think the greatest gateway to empathy that we have is through stories and writing and reading, and it's how we learn about people. And it's how we understand our own emotions. Even if that story is not our own story, and is very different from us or from anything that we might experience in our lives.
0: Yeah. I love what you say about relatability, because it feels like we'll make the stretch for a lot of other types of stories, but that's one that there's still a lot of taboo around.
1: Yeah. It's, it's strange. And I've been a mother for two years now. Well, I mean, I would say two years and nine months, because I think you're a mother, you know, from the start, you're in it the nitty gritty (laughs) from the start, but, I never realized that before, that there really is this aversion to you know, stories about motherhood and about mothering and all of that. And I, I think it's interesting. And I still submit my stories. I still submit, you know, but I've found a lot of pushback from that.
0: So I want to ask you about the impact motherhood has had on your your own writing because me personally I found that it's changed the way I write mostly in the time I have to write and the urgency when I do write how has parenting impacted your own writing
1: oh gosh it has basically changed everything I mean not about, about my life and about my writing like you say when I write how I write um I feel like I it's a little bit of a good thing because I feel like I have a bit more urgency to spend my time, you know, wisely. So I feel like I write more as a mom now because every moment alone <laughs> is so precious that you just want to use it. You just want to use it wisely and you want to use it for yourself. And um, just now <laughs> and I was laughing because I was preparing for this interview just now and my two-year-old climbed into my lap took my face in her hands and made me stare at her while she told me a story in two-year-old gibberish that made no sense. (laughs) So I think, you know, I'm I'm a little more frazzled. I'm a little less prepared for things. You know, I'm I'm always showing up at things going, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I didn't have time. I didn't have the, you know. And I think, you know, it also changes a lot the things that I choose to write about. I had a very traumatic birth. three days of labor four hours of pushing I had gestational diabetes while I was pregnant which really can wreck your body and um, I just felt very alone which is so common and I had to write about it and I had to read about it and it's the only was the only way for me to sort of feel like I wasn't alone like someone could understand me and that if I told my story and I got the words out you know I would feel validated in that
0: mm. What kind of submissions to Literary Mama do you love to receive?
1: Such a broad... I'm, tr- I'm thinking about submissions that we've gotten, you know, in the past few months. Right now, my co-editor and I, um, we love experimental stuff. And I, we would love to see more of it. We don't get a lot of it. Um, we both really love Flash. There's something about a good Flash piece that just really hits you hard and, you know, such a small window of time. And I think above all, we look for good writing. We look for work that makes us think and feel um, complete stories with developed characters, character arcs, um, and stories that really have the feeling of being honed and edited and nurtured stories that you can just tell that the writer cares about what they're writing. They care about their characters and they've spent so much time, you know, really working on it and honing their craft and those are the kinds of stories, you know, I feel like readers care to the capacity that the writer does. And so those are the kinds of stories that really get you.
0: I love what you say about readers care to the extent that the writer does so that the more you care about the piece and hone it and edit it and nurture it, Mm -hmm. the more that readers are going to care about that. I wonder what you said too about Flash, whether you're talking about, and I was identifying with that too, you know, writing in these more intense bursts. And I wonder if new parenthood of young children lends itself more to flash, perhaps.
1: Yeah. Those quick moments of emotion that they're heavy and they're intense and they're gone in 10 seconds. And yeah, that's, it's totally, totally indicative of parenting.
0: (laughs) On the Literary Mama website, you describe an intensive editorial review process that respects the voice and the depth of your contributor's message, which is just lovely. Can you tell us a bit more about this process and what writers can expect from submissions to the journal?
1: Yeah, that's it's probably my favorite part about being an editor. Is we think of like editors at magazines as basically just decision makers. We don't think about them doing editing. Um, we think about you know rejections versus acceptances and that there's really nothing in between. But at Literary Mama, and I know this is true for a lot of journals as well, um, we take cases that need heavy editing and work with the writers. So if something comes into the inbox that has, you know, major potential, or we can see a story, but it's not quite ready, um, we will often extend the offer to work with the writer if they so choose. To get you know the piece ready for publication, and I think it 's so important because it 's heartbreaking turning down work that you can just clearly see is something that could be amazing if the author had a bit more guidance and I always tell writers they can bow out at any time in the process, we always discuss notes and changes, um, we never force a change on someone that they really wouldn't want. Um, The integrity of a piece and the author's voice and intentions are the most important thing. So sometimes, you know, there's sort of three ways that we do this. If we think a piece is really close, it just needs a bit of tweaking. Um, We accept with a question of whether, you know, they'd be willing to make a couple of small changes. Um, If a piece needs minimal notes, but it sort of affects the piece throughout or the whole picture, we sometimes send the author those minimal notes and then invite them to resubmit if they choose to make those changes and then sometimes a piece needs to go through several drafts before it's ready and in that case you know we work with the author one-on-one personally until we feel the piece is ready to move forward so what writers can expect really just depends you know if we if we take on your piece for editing no matter what we love your work and we wanna make it the best it can possibly be. And in doing so, we have the utmost respect for the time and effort the author puts into the piece. Um, A piece came into our inbox about half a year ago. It was way longer than our word count, had a lot going on. The story was just huge and very heavy and the writing was beautiful. And there was one scene that simply captivated me. I just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I spoke with the author, I told her my thoughts, I said, you know, I'd really love to work with you. Just give me a couple drafts and, you know, you can withdraw anytime, but I really believe this in this piece and I believe it can be incredible. And so she, she said, you know, she would work with me and we went through several drafts. It was a long story. It had a huge scope. So it really required that much work. Not that it was bad in any way. It was just the scope of the story really needed to be honed and we discussed edits you know she gave her opinions i gave mine we really talked about it we talked about plot and themes she worked incredibly hard she stayed true to her own vision and integrity and i just so enjoyed that time that I spent with her honing that piece and we just published it. It's called Lost by Megan Kathleen Hart. It's a long piece, but everyone was so complimentary about Megan's work. Um, even our copy editor, which she wrote, she will rarely comment, you know, on the actual piece commented on about how much she loved reading it. And I'm just so happy for Megan. It was really rewarding to know that because, you know, I took a chance on someone, they made something incredible. And I didn't have to pass up a piece that just needed a little bit of editing, and that, you know, we could publish it. And, you know, not only that, but developmental editing is so helpful for your own writing. When you work closely with another writer, you both improve, and you both teach each other how to be better writers, and I think that that's invaluable.
0: Oh, yeah, what a beautiful experience. I'll, I'll link to that piece in the show notes for this episode, too, so people can read it, read the yeah, final it's, product.
1: It's a great piece. She She's a great writer, and she did amazing work. And I guess
0: embedded in in that process or you know one can assume and and you do say this on your website too is that you like to work a lot with emerging writers so it's a great place to start sending your work out as long as you've been honing it and editing it and nurturing it as you say Mm -hmm. on your own first before sending it in.
1: Yeah definitely you know I feel like I'm also an emerging writer and you know I'm I'm working on my MFA I'm submitting work too Um, so I just feel like we need to be good literary citizens to each other. And so um, I am always very excited to find a writer that I see just enormous potential and, and, you know, just be able to work with them as a, is a great experience.
0: Lovely. Well, before I let you go, can you, can you tell me one thing that writers should definitely know, but likely do not about submissions to literary mama?
1: Yeah. I, I would love for people to know, how open we are as editors, um, especially to experimental pieces, um, and how much we really discuss pieces and care for them. When we invite authors to resubmit or to send other work, we absolutely mean it. Like, I do not send those kinds of comments lightly. I absolutely mean that I want to see that name in the inbox again. And, you know, I'd love for people to know how much we truly care for pieces, and we respect your craft, and we want to see you succeed. Um, And I think submitting any piece of work, whether to us or to another journal, it's extremely nerve wracking. And it's very exhausting being a writer. You're, You're putting something extremely personal and the fruits of hard labor and work and late nights and lots of editing into someone else's hands and risking rejection. And there is so much rejection on the path of a writer and it just doesn't get any easier. And I think I would want people to remember that we're also writers and we are also putting ourselves out there and receiving the same rejections. um, And that we truly care about our writers and every submission because we can relate and we receive, you know, we read, we discuss. And if we reject, keep sending your work, don't give up, Um, keep reading, you know, not just literary mama, but, all journals you know read as much work as you can um, because reading really helps your craft and um, you know we aren't scary people sitting behind a desk you know slashing work and sending it back you know we're writers and we struggle just as much and we thoughtfully read your work during nap time and (laughs) we think about it while our kids are getting ready for bed and for school and you know we're people and and we want what's best for every writer that comes to us
0: wonderful well thank you so much for sharing your lit mag love with us
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That
0: was my interview with Felicity Landa of Literary Mama. And I think there were some great things that she mentioned about the journal that are worth repeating, which are that when they say they want to see more work, they absolutely mean it. And I think if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll have heard that from a few different editors. So I hope that message is coming home that... Definitely editors do not say something like that lightly when they want to see more work. They will tell you and they mean it. And I think it was really great when she described their process of going through this intensive editorial review of the piece in a way that's really respectful and of the voice and the depth of your message. So this is a great journal to submit to if you want to have that kind of in-depth experience with an editor, Uh, someone who is also open to learning, as she says, in editing pieces like that. She absolutely will learn more about her own writing as she's working with a writer on making their piece as amazing as possible. Lit Mag Love is co-presented by Room Magazine, literature, art, and feminism since 1975, and the Lit Mag Love course, an online course to get smart, fearless, and published with lots of help from me. Sound editing for the episode is done by Micah Lemiski, and I'm your host, Rachel Thompson. If you want to give us some love in the form of a review wherever you get your podcast, we would love that, and it really helps other writers discover the podcast. You can find us online at LitMagLovePodcast.com or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LitMagLove. Thanks for writing and reading literature, and thanks for listening to LitMagLove.